This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Bit of breaking news involving Blackpool Football Club and they have sacked their head coach Michael Appleton in the last few moments. We've just uh, received it. Uh, oh, jeezy bips, man. Stephen Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Jeezy peeps, man. It's the warm-up episode 97. It's Brady and Tom. We're previewing the Blackpool game and we're joined by David Hartrick. Dave, according to my estimations, this is your fifth appearance on the warm-up, which is the same number of appearances that Brody Spencer has made for the first team this year. Uh, so do you consider yourself to be the Brody Spencer of Huddersfield Town-related podcasting? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that boy. As you know, I absolutely love that boy. I think he's got a huge career ahead of him and I, one of the sweetest things was I wrote something about him last season after watching him in the B team not a not a big piece just picked him out in a piece looking at some of the youngsters going forward and it got picked up by a load of papers in Northern Ireland and he got a little bit of chatter um, and he absolutely loved it and he said to somebody in the press team that I can't believe Yorkshire Live is writing about me which I thought Aww. was just the sweetest <laughs> That's really nice. I wasn't expecting that either. That was completely off the cuff. So that's why you're on. You're a podcasting professional, Dave. Um, Tom, <laughs> you are also a podcasting professional. I, I sensed by my tone I wasn't going to go there, but I did. Um, there was no pod uh, reviewing the whole game from Matt and the gang. So uh, I know it, was a, know it was a while ago. We kind of maybe forget about it, but you can talk about it a little bit. What were your thoughts very briefly? I actually don't think town did too bad. I think what I was worried about going into it was what they would fret, threaten us with, the kind of balls into the box. And we we, like, we did deal with it for, we pretty much dealt with it for 90 minutes, well, 95 minutes. And then you just, it was just really unlucky, wasn't it? We could have seen the game out. I think if we'd have got that second, because it was it just after half time, we had quite a decent-ish chance. Um, well, got to give uh, Bill Biller a massive shout out, aren't you? I mean, he, he did really well, I think. There was just that one little 
mix up where maybe I don't know if he didn't use his voice loud enough and he ran into the back of I think it was Tom Lee's or Helic or something and um but other than that he was brilliant. Um I don't know. I it's really gutting when you concede in that manner with literally about thirty seconds to go and it feels like a loss. But when you step back from it a couple of days afterwards, I actually think it was a semi decent performance. And I think it's something that we can keep building on. Mm. Yeah, you kind of summed it up for me there. No one likes conceding a last-minute equaliser. Um, I think what for me, what makes it even more annoying is it's actually a really good finish. So you can't. It's not even like it's a scrappy goal. It's almost like, oh, that's just come out of nowhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, Dave, we obviously you talked about it on your pod, but you you weren't too uh, you were disagreeing with Chicken for once, weren't you? You weren't too uh, too yeah, positive about this. I one. wasn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't overly impressed. I just, uh, I, I think Town have got a real problem with sniffing blood and Hull aren't great and they, they're good players playing forward positions and it was pretty clear early on that their good players weren't having a good day. Now, like Steve's point, was perfectly valid that he thought they were, uh, Town defended really, really well and he thought it was one of their best defensive performances of the season. I don't disagree with that at all, but I just think they were entirely too passive. They tried to sit on a lead when, for me, there was the opportunity there to to go in and get another, to go and grab another. And I just felt they, were, they went back into their sort of risk-adverse, let's stay in shape, let's be tight, now's the time to be difficult to beat. And the thing is, I haven't got a massive issue with it. When we say disagree, there wasn't blood on the microphone or anything. That's but, not what I heard. I I just think that I don't think at some point Town have got to win realistically three or four away games to get out of this longer term this season. And that was an away game that I think when you go 1-0 up, I think they could have put their foot on their throats and they didn't. What they did is, as I said, they went narrow. They tried to stay in shape. They tried to make it difficult. They wanted to be hard to break down. And it was like, just for me, it's like, don't be this passive. Mm. You can, you know, you can hurt these. You can hurt these. And I just, I'm not Kevin Keegan, don't get me wrong, but I, I just think you can, you can two nil your way out of this rather than try and win one nil your way out of it. Was was my point really? Mm. Yeah, and you, you talk about away games uh, that town should be looking to to target three points or, or win. Uh, this one on this Saturday, Blackpool. So they sit a place below town on the table. Uh, they're in the relegation zone as well in 23rd, 26 points like town. Blackpool at the bottom of the form table. They've failed to win any of their last 10 league games and they've only won two of their last 10 home games. So, however, <laughs> they have sacked their manager, Michael Appleton, today. Um, you the groans from town fans who will say, managers seem to sack their uh, coach before the playoffs, but... Tom, with that news, what's what's your thoughts about this? You know, does that change the the game for you at all? I, I suppose it's a bit of an unknown quantity, and sometimes you see a performance after they've sacked a manager. But really, if you take that out of it, it's still a game town should be looking to win. Yeah, but I I honestly think this one is going to make a difference. I don't think the Cardiff one was was as pinnacle. Because it did they they sacked Morrison didn't they just before was after, it after after we beat him that's what we'll do to you know. mm-hmm. yeah but I I don't think this I I just there's such a 
bad vibe around that club at the moment. They, their fans just wanted nothing to do with him for the last few months, basically. And they're basically all coining this a bit of a party on Saturday that he's gone. And I just think that's going to bring a bit back, bring back a bit more bounce around Bloomfield Road. And I always think when that place does get going, it, it can be quite a quite a semi decent atmosphere. And in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of empty seats there and stuff. So, be interesting to see if a few more will, will turn up because he's gone. Um, yeah, Brad. I for me, I've, I I'm I'm actually really good. He's gone because I, I I was very confident going into Saturday that we could get three points. Now I'm a bit more attentive about the whole thing. Yeah. Dave, do you do you think it changes anything or do you still think town have enough to, to get three points? I I think I think the math stays the same really, which is that if, if town are serious, they have to go for this game. They have to target this game. They have to try and get three points from this game, whoever's in the dugout. And like I think there's been a uh, since the World Cup, there's been several reasons to be slightly more cheerful about town going forward and having hope that they can get themselves out of this situation. But this this is a huge game now. You know, this is a huge game. It's it's not a complete disaster if they draw and get a point there. But at the same time, they're just storing up their issues because, as I said, they've got to go and get some points on the road. They've got to go and get some three-point wins on the road. And this is one of those games where it's slightly easier than others without trying to be too disparaging to Blackpool. But, yeah, I, I think you've just got to shut the noise out a bit and you've just got to concentrate on what you're, what you're about and what you're doing. And I think Town... I think they can set up and be difficult to beat, but they've got to have a plan B here, and the plan B has got to be to go for it. You know, they can't if it's one one nil nil or one one with fifteen minutes to go. Really, I think they've got to go for it rather than sit on it. Is the thing. Um, and now I would argue they've got some squad options to be able to do that. But yeah, it's a big game. It's a big game this one. It is a big game indeed, and. Blackpool will be also thinking it's a big game, you know, a chance to go ahead of a relegation rival. Um, Tom, are there any players you you picked as a key man for, for the game on Saturday from the Blackpool side? Um, well, I mean, I've probably gone with the obvious one, but this is someone that apparently he's not. He, they were moaning that he wasn't playing him in the right position or playing him much, really, but he, he's had a decent amount of appearance this season. But, I mean, Jerry Yates is, stands out a lot, doesn't he? Ten goals. Uh, three assists in all comps this season. So I I think it's a very interesting team. I mean, they've got some big lads. They've, they've got quite big lads up front, haven't they? So um, I think it depends if we can just keep them quiet, win those aerial duels and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's in there for me just because uh, from what I've heard in the well, this today I had, a, I had a listen to a few Blackpool fans stuff about um, Appleton leaving, and one of the main things to come out with it that they think they'll they'll get this the Jerry Yates back that they had uh, more to the start of the season um, with him gone now. So it'd be really interesting that to see if um yeah he causes us more problems on Saturday. Yeah, he's hoping not. Um, Dave, what about you? Who did you uh, like the look of in Blackpool squad? 
they've got some good options in attacking areas. You know, Charlie Patino is the one that everybody sort of talks about and could could be the next Emil Smith Rowe. Remember him. Um, obviously, come, bringing Josh Bowler back, he, he doesn't look a little bit of a similar situation to Anthony Knockhart in that he's come back and I don't think he's, while he's fit, I don't think he's championship fit yet. So we'll see how far along that little ladder he is. Mm. And I think, I think they've just got lots of players who can look Premier League or can look League One. It just completely depends <laughs> what day you, you get them on, really. But for me, I would say... Liam Brigcut, and this isn't because he is one of my all-time favourite Brighton players. He may have only made four appearances this year and he can't run anymore, but I just love him. So he's definitely the most important man in that squad. Arguably <laughs> club. Arguably club. But yeah. no, I, I think Yates is good. I don't know if you've seen much of him, but he is good and he's brave and he takes people on and he takes risks. And the thought of him one side and Bowler the other and Patino sort of drifting in between, mm. that's that's good. You know, there's no getting away from that. That's good. But then if you look at, you know, what they've got at the back and in midfield, there's nothing really to fear there, I wouldn't say. Not not with the options Town have now. So, yeah, you know, you, you've, just, you've just got to, Town have just got to make the game about them rather than Blackpool. Yeah, good point. Patino is someone I, I picked out. Um, again, it's easy, but I remember when we spoke to uh, Joe from the Seasiders pod, he was saying he's kind of been impressing more and more as the season's gone on. But um, yeah, you, you talked about Josh Bowler. I think that's that's key for them. But Morgan Rogers as well, I think that's a really good line signing. Mm. Um, so yeah. he'll, he'll be one to watch out. So I, I, I'd probably go for him because he can play as a, as you know as a striker in the two or, or on the left, and he's you know he's a good good highly thought of young player so one to watch out and I remember obviously the return the previous fixture were at home it's a it's remembered a lot for Hawkeye for all the wrong reasons but I remember their keeper Grimshaw had quite a good quite a good game against us I thought so maybe one mm. to watch out for um anyway Tom we will move on to view from the other side because we're doing things a little bit differently this week aren't we yeah a little bit <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it, to be honest. Go on, I mean, do we, your best. Um, we basically tapped into the uh, voicemails at Blackpool FC, the angry voicemails about Appleton, just to see what was happening down there, Brady. No win since October. Lackluster performances we've little created. Four points adrift with our rivals picking up momentum. Chances have been good, but I'm confident Michael Appleton. I'm not confident, actually. Mike Lappington is the man to get most out of this squad. Can anyone ex ex actually explain his tactics? All I can say is hopeful long balls in Madden, who is isolated on his own. What's plan B? How much longer is he going to persist with this carry patino centre mid? Lightweight and overran. Time to go, Appy. What will it take for you to address this? At the minute, it feels like you're not overly concerned. We'll get relegated. Even if we do, we do not want Appleton. It's a ticking time bomb. This just cannot continue. This group of players should be top ten. We haven't created a job today, and that's down to the manager selecting the wrong team. 
He has to go. We shouldn't even go to Saturday with him in charge. It's like being sat in a runaway train on a downhill bit of track. Wait, wait for it. And the brake lever just come off in your hand. He couldn't motivate a cat to jump through a cat flap. On rating Appleton season the two out of ten, he promised aggressive attacking football. He's played the total opposite. He's been too negative in the press, and the majority of the fan base just don't like him. The sooner he goes, the better. <laughs> Very angry indeed. Very angry indeed. Um, listeners should know that was done. What like thirty minutes, and then before Appleton was sacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I basically I'll 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 give them a secret because obviously people know that wasn't actually Blackpool fans. That was me reading tweets from Blackpool fans about Appleton. It's quite amusing looking at that. It made me feel a lot better about town, to be honest. That there's um other clubs that um yeah uh, maybe overreacting. I don't think. I don't think our Twitter's that bad, but it was yeah, it was very interesting to yeah, I know Brady, maybe maybe I'm being a bit uh It's what, that bad. Town yeah. <laughs> From somebody who's written about town and talked about town publicly a lot, let me just confirm it is that bad. Well, all football clubs we'll... are though. All all football clubs are. Let's not make this about town or Blackpool. All football fans are have have the crazy gene somewhere in them. It's just whether some wear it as a badge of pride or some manage to stuff it right down like me. Yeah. Each, and what I got from it though that I just they they've been really down on Apple and I was I was actually really surprised to kind of read some of the stuff. And I I don't think people I think I think people kind of kinda of getting behind Fodringham a bit, which was that's what I'm getting from it, at least, I think. It's not turned that sour, has it, or anything, even though we're still in that bottom three. I think maybe people... But they, are... like, they, they should be getting behind Fotheringham at this point because he's he's got them to turn the corner. You know, whether there's another level or not, I don't know, but he's, he's also being given a load of players that can make a difference. So yeah. I guess we're kind of going to see you know, what he can do before the end of the season. But you were down amongst the dead men and now you've got a fighting chance yeah, and you exactly. have to, you know, I, I was talking to, you You may know him, but uh, Matt Shaw does another podcast. I can't remember. Can't remember <laughs> he used one. to do a pod. Uh, but I was, talking, <laughs> I was talking to him a while ago and, you know, we were chatting about it and making the point that if, if it was Michael Heffley in the dugout and had got the exact same results for the exact same set of players <laughs> you know people would be falling over themselves to say what a brilliant job he's doing with the resources he's got and everything so yeah. i i'm still there are things i'm not convinced about with mark fothering him yet and things i think that you look at and you think okay well they're very good markers that he could go on and really be a really really good coach you know um but What's undeniable is the results, and the results are a hell of a lot better right now. But also what I think is quite interesting is it has gone exactly as he said in his press conference, you know, when he mapped out how he thought it would go and the trajectory and what would happen after the World Cup. I mean, you can't knock the fact that it's happened exactly as he said it would, which also has to give you some kind of faith that there's a little bit of a plan and a, a little bit of a football brain in there. 
And you tell me you can read the future, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> the first question I'd ask him, will Brighton get into Europe this season? <laughs> well, well, it's not a Brighton podcast, Dave. You're going to have your moments to talk about former Brighton players. Do not worry. Um, but actually, asking that, Dave, and I'd be interested to to get your take on this, not, not to... Um, go after, you know, one particular person. But when I've been speaking to people who aren't so keen on Fotheringham, I still kind of feel like, you know, not to criticise Schofield, but I kind of feel Schofield's tenure, you know, we know all the reasons we've explained, maybe he wasn't ready for that role. But that's, for me, a large part of the reason we're in this mess. I think Fotheringham's actually done done a good job, um, which you kind of touched on there. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, undeniably, I think there were... I, I think as much as people want to blame Danny Schofield, I think what is undeniable is, like, Carlos Corbrand completely ruined their pre-season, you know? <laughs> like, a few days... In, in a literal sense, a few days before the season starts, everything went out the window. And as a result, they were... The team, more than anything, were just completely undercooked. You know, they, they were not ready for the start of the season... And the season started <laughs> and it was no surprise to me. There are all these, I mean, we're not immune to hearing all these rumours. We heard all these rumours, all oh, the players don't like it because all they're doing is running. Mark Fotheringham don't know how to set the team up because he's just making them run. They needed to run. They are undeniably, you know, streets ahead fitness wise where they are, where they were, you know, when they last played Blackpool in the home game right now they they needed that and that was their big strength last season and it was you know it was like Samson someone cut their hair over summer and all the strength had gone you know so yeah it's it's as I said I I this isn't a Mark Fotheringham appreciation society podcast or anything like that but I still have reservations over certain things but you just have to look at the results at the minute and you have to think could any else have done what he's done with the players he's had available and the injuries and it's not like he's blown all the players up in training either they've all been like impact injuries happening in game it's not been like you know when Carlos Corbran collectively ruined half the squad's hamstrings <laughs> it's it's been yeah it, it there's a lot of football to be played this season there's a long way to go and I I, I honestly don't know where town end up but you, as I said, you have to say you've got a fighting chance at the moment. And I would argue six weeks ago, you didn't. So, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. And what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll tackle the rest of this game. Maybe listeners, you know, in the ad break, listen to the ads because obviously that helps us donate more money to charity. Um, but you could always listen to the Rocky Four soundtrack, pump yourself up. And uh, yeah, we'll come back and do the mailbag. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. 
just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so we're back. Our hearts are on fire. We've got a strong desire. Let's get into these mailbag questions. You've got mail. Okay, so the first one we've got is from Clark Eastwood. He, Clark, thanks for sending. You send us quite a few tweets. I'm going to pick this one. You're one of three because um, I thought this was a good one. As were the rest. Uh, Clark says, to what extent do you feel recruitment has been based on who is available quickly as opposed to addressing the most striking needs in the squad? Never easy in January and we aren't an attractive proposition given opposition, but not to bring in a left back would be negligent. Uh, Dave, what do you kind of think of that one? Like there's undeniably an aspect of that, but that's because it's January (laughs) and in January, you have to shop where it's available because if you're trying to get somebody out of a club who isn't available on the outside, then it's going to cost you probably two, three times what it would in the summer. And that is at all levels of football because people know you're desperate for that player at this point. So naturally, there is an element of that. But at the same time, I think I think Town have recruited to a model of what is the type of player we need? And I spoke about it on the other podcast. There's another town podcast. That's mad. Um, but you look at like Martin Waghorn and a lot of people raised a few eyebrows and Steve isn't convinced. But if you look at what Waghorn is and what type of striker he is, okay, that's the type of striker that town haven't got. And I'm not adverse to them bringing in players that offer them something different. They, they've... You know, Anthony Knockhart is not the player he was. You know, in, in, in 2016 and 17, he was an absolute magician, a genuine bona fide magician. But that was five, six years ago now. But do Town have another player creatively who will take the risks he does and try to play the risk passes? No. So, yeah, you know, he, he may have been available and that may have been a key criteria, but he also fit you know fits where town need him to fit so of of course there are elements of that and that is due to the context but what is undeniable is town having a go here you know it, it's there's waghorn knockout you know hungbo we know they're going to go and get a keeper because they're not going to just sort of assume billikapit can come in and do a job matt loton's in there and I still think they'll they'll probably do something else as well. I'm not quite sure what or where, but I think they'll do something else. They they they're having a go here, and you can't you can't say they need a load of business. We've got to upscale this squad. Oh, I'm not sure about the type of business we're doing. <laughs> you know, they needed bodies. They're getting bodies for specific roles. That's what they have to do right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we were talking about in in our kind of pod chat, but I'm pleasantly surprised with who we brought in. I I think, you know, um, typical kind of town, maybe downplaying expectations, Fotheringham saying there's not a lot of money, but I think I was expecting a lot worse than what we've actually got. And like you say, we've got a fighting chance and we've got options. Um, Tom, what about yourself? Are you... Do you think it's been based on who's available quickly? I mean, we kind of talked about it there, but he also Clark also said if we don't bring in a left back, that would be negligent. Um, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, but it would be nice to see a left back plan. I mean, who's it going to be? It's, it's probably going to be a loan, isn't it? I, I think the the free loans that we've got in from I'm actually I'm pleased with them. I see see what they're about. They're all championship experience. Um, Wagon very recently helped keep Derby up, so you've kind of got a bit of that experience in there, along with two people who know how to win in the championship as well. I mean, Wagon's been in teams like that as well. As, uh, um, and then what well, we got Cambiri, who I'd, I mean, I guess he was about. I think that was more of a link with Fotheringham potentially. That one, um, yeah, that that's the one I'm not convinced by. I, I, but I, at the same time, I sort of don't. If my Fotheringham thinks that's his man to potentially get some messages over to other players in the squad or other players in training, then I see the sense of it. But actually, on the pitch on a Saturday at three o'clock. I'm not yeah. not convinced by that one. Yeah, I mean he scored though, didn't he? I mean I know it was, and then he missed that set, but he did score. And if that yeah. if that's the thing, Dave, if he can pop up and he he's playing for a manager that he likes and he he knows he can play mm-hmm. on, you never know, do you? Um, but yeah, so I agree. Yeah, left back for me, just just to I don't ruffles is really interesting ruffles. Um, because I don't know whether it's down to the fact he's hardly had any competition, but then he had a year last year where he didn't really give Toff any competition because he was almost undroppable, Toffler. So it's a really interesting one. Um, maybe if Pearson starts playing more down that left side as well with Ruffles, it could improve his game potentially. That'd be interesting to see. But I just, yeah, if we can get a left back in uh, just to, just to, Give him a bit more um, competition. That'd be good. Mm. I think um, you touched on there, but let's for Ruffles. I think he was a lot better in the whole game, and like you say, maybe give him a couple of games with Pearson because this is no disrespect mm. to Boyle, but Pearson is a better defender for me. So maybe yeah. having someone who's better in that area near you, mm. um, you know, it could, it's this, certainly going to make you look better. This is another conversation I've had with Matt Shaw, who is. Fair to say, not much of a fan of Ruffles. I don't mind him. I think his two biggest crimes are, or his two biggest problems are, one, he's not Harry Toffolo, so he's not in the top two or three left-backs in the league like Town have enjoyed for a couple of years. And two, like, bless him, I think Will Boyle is a lot of things, but is he a week-in, week-out championship defender starting every week? Mm-hmm. I don't think he is. I think that there's definitely a role for him in the squad, but sort of being forced to to play him, you know, I'm not if if Luke, Luke and Bette had, had turned out to be even half a success, I'm not sure Boyle would have had the minutes he's had. So he was he was well down the pecking order, and he's had some great games because he can do a certain job really really well. But does he particularly help Ruffles out on that side realistically? Not at all. Not at all. No. Um, well, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of season to go. I mean, and he did score two against QPR to give us that win. So let's, uh, let's yeah. be nice to ruffle, shall we? Um, so the next question, Mark Harrison asks, Tom, I'll come to you first with this. Um, Mark Fotheringham has instilled a defensive mentality into the squad. Now that he has more attacking options, will we see a change in tactics? Um, I know there's been talk, and I think Fotheringham's kind of touched on it, but maybe he wants to play with more strikers, you know, maybe have two up top. What do you think, Tom? Do you think he'll, having the more options, do you think he'll 
tweak his starting eleven and, and go for it. I don't know, Brady. <laughs> Can't get inside his head. Can I? I mean, if he has mentioned it, then potentially be interesting to see that. But then I don't know. Two attackers that changed the formation a bit too much. I don't know what he'd end up doing in the. I think it. You, I don't know. I'm just looking at the formation now. I mean, he likes that three at the back, doesn't he? But would getting another attacker in there would. I always think if you're playing three at the back, that normally you end up have, you normally end up just having the the one up front and then the two kind of attacking behind. So, mm. yes, maybe I don't know, Dave. You're probably better at this kind of thing than me, so I'm throwing yeah. it straight over to you. <laughs> um. I think if you look at the signings he's making, my gut feeling is I think he's building a four four two. I think in that four four two he wants the flexibility to to be able to sort of turn it fairly quickly into a four three three or certainly into like a four five one out of possession. But I think he's building a four four two and he wants two. I think he wants two presences in the box. I think when you say four four two, people have an idea that it's two straight lines and two up top, and it's just not that anymore. There's no, there's no adequate way to describe football formations anymore because no matter how you lay them out, there's always a player who doesn't fit the mould or fit where you think they should be in that system. But I think what is clear is he wants a winger who can cross consistently from open play. I think it's fairly clear he wants different options up front to try and find ways for them to dovetail together because, you know, Jordan Rhodes and Danny Ward, bless them, the one thing they can't do is play together really um, because they tend to drift into the same spaces where if you look at Waghorn, Waghorn, with, with Jordan Rhodes, you've got sort of a real poacher and finisher and with Waghorn, you've got a bully. So could that work together? You know, if you get Waghorn trying to win the ball and just just get it, give it to Rhodes in shooting positions. And so I think, yeah, I, I personally, I, I, I think he is trying to do something. Whether he'll get there or not depends on how the players that he's brought in settle into the roles. So you look at the wingers and they've now got, a very decent selection of wingers to to call from, but you need them all to, you need a couple of them to step up and, you know, hit the straps early and because not every move you make comes off. That's just, that's just football. And if you've got Sorba one side and somebody who can really cross on a, on a sixpence from open play the other side, that suddenly becomes a very sort of effective weapon and your two defenders can sit a little bit deeper and just offer a little bit of protection because they've got four bodies to hit in front of them instead of just just one, as sometimes happens with Huddersfield Town, shall we say. So, yeah, I do think they will likely evolve onto something like a 4-4-2 that might look a little bit like a more like a 4-2-3-1 in practice, but... I will have to lay out for Opta and then pass it on to Sky and everyone is a 4-4-2. <laughs> nice. Fozzie's playing a 4-4-2. You heard it here first. Um, next question is from Mr. Whitaker. He says, the fixture movements need more than 10 days notice. Um, Tom, you may have seen that, obviously, with uh, Bristol uh, advancing in the FA Cup. Our game's been rescheduled. That's as the Coventry game. Um I suppose it's. Uh, I had a look into the rules actually. Um, this is our board I was earlier. 
Um, the league reserves any rights at any time to reschedule a league league match after consultation and consideration of the representatives from the clubs involved. They do also mm-hmm. say every club must have a publicly stated policy regarding ticket refunds or other arrangements for abandoned matches. So um, Town said as well, in fairness, I, they will have more information on that. But um, Tom, you know, a bit of uproar, quite rightly, um, with the news today. What did you think about it? Um, I mean, it's not affecting me because I wasn't going to go, to be honest. I mean, I probably could go now, though. That's the thing. So it could work in my favour. I wasn't going to get to Coventry on a Tuesday night. For the, it's, the thing that annoys me with this kind of thing is the it's kind of the fans who have already paid for travel, etc., and are most, more than likely not able to get a refund train I mean, you've got to look at train companies for that as well, but it's kind of that consideration. The one, the one goodwill gesture I think town could potentially do is offer, I know it's money, but offer free coach travel now to to at least any fans who may already have bought train travel or whatever, that kind of thing. I don't know. I'd, I mean, I'd be, I'd be well miffed if I'd got me train tickets and everything sorted and then it's been changed. Um, but if it's it's a congested fish fixture list, list, if it's got to be put there, it's got to be put there, hasn't it? We've got to play these games. Um, but, yeah, I think fans are taken for granted sometimes in this country, though, especially by like the EFL and stuff. So I'll uh, throw that one in there as well. Yeah. I mean, um, Dave, this happens to quite a few football clubs, not just town, but um, unfortunately, that's just, it seems to happen quite a lot more and more these days, you'd say. Yeah, it's just, it's just, whoever it happens to, whatever the circumstance, it's just always a massive shit sandwich for somebody to sit down and eat. And it's, it's usually the fans. And what's really gutting, what's really gutting for me is that if town can win, this weekend, I'm not a massive advocate of, oh, well, it gives them some time to reset, you know, potentially look at a couple of injuries, maybe getting them back, getting some of the lone players up to speed. I, I just think, like, rhythm and momentum is just such mm. a massive thing. And I at this, at this point of the year when it's cold, when the games come thick and fast, if you can get yourself into a decent rhythm and momentum, you can genuinely pull yourself out of trouble. You know, you you can you can be safe in February. So it's a real shame for me. It's a real shame, and I think yeah, there will be people who have booked travel. There will be people who have booked hotels and were staying over. There will be people who, who can't do anything about that, and it's it's poor. It's poor. But the flip side is, I don't see a better system either, really. Because you know, if 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 you're going to keep FA Cup replays, for example, then you're going to have to accept at some point that something else has to give somewhere else, and yeah, what has to give is is these league fixtures, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's horrible. It's fans that always suffer. It's fans that always suffer in most things, most crap things in football. If we're brutally honest, between the three of us, so yeah, it's crap. But I don't see another way. 
Yep, I agree. It's crap. I say cram more games in. That's what I say. We don't have enough football, in my opinion. Um, last question for the mailbag. Dave Witts asks, uh, who's sexier, Christopher Schindler or Anthony Knockhart? Tom, I'll come to you first, Dave. I think I know your <laughs> answer already. I mean, I think if we did like some sort of, I don't know, really studied it and Schindler's, the symmet- sym- symmetry of Schindler's face and all that kind of thing, I mean, it's got to be Schindler, hasn't it? Like he's just, he's a beautiful man. I mean, Dave's gonna obviously say knockout because he's like he was sexy for Brighton. But I mean, I just Schindler's a beautiful man. He he should have been a model rather than a footballer. <laughs> yeah, as I said in the pod last week, met Christopher Schindler for a curry and he was in his tracksuit and he still looked a thousand, a thousand dollars. Dave, go on then. Tell us why you love knockout and why he wins this. Right, listen, there's a difference between being handsome and being sexy. <laughs> right, Christopher Schindler, there is no doubt in my mind that Christopher Schindler is going to treat you right. He's going to make sure you're home by 11. He's going to turn up with a rose and he's going to make you feel wonderful. But Anthony Knockhart, trust me, you're in for a night, son. You are in for a night. And it depends depends which way you go. You know, am I loose? Yeah, so I'm going with knockers. Simple as. <laughs> that could be an interesting Twitter poll. Um, one to one to consider. But uh, that, yeah, <laughs> that'll do it for the mailbag. Um, we'll move on to your the boss and how we'd line up the team. So you know, just to remind everyone from that whole game, according to the old sofa score, Town lined up in a three-four-two-one formation. Um, so that was Billow in net, Lee's Helic Pearson. Lowton Hog High Ruffles, and then he had Rodonian Holmes and Jordan Rhodes up front. Tom, what changes would you make for it? Yeah, I'm coming to you first. Yeah, you have to talk about it. Yet. Um, I was obviously we talked. I was hoping you were going to let Dave go first, and then I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, same as Dave there. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, we talked about the horn for high straight back in the starting lineup. Hey? Yeah. Do you know what? Fair play to him, and I, I think he did did an all right job. I mean, I, I, I've I've always liked Scott High, so I'll, I'll always back him. I think. Um, I don't know what I'm changing. It'd be interesting to see if Knockout gets in, uh, or he's on he's on the bench. I, um, oh, Brady, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably keep it. Um, Probably keep it pretty similar. I'd I'd be I'd be kind of tempted to put Sauber as a wing back as well potentially. I've just from watching their highlights and stuff. I know Appleton isn't there, but and Dave said it at the start. They they're good up top, but at the back they look. I they seem to struggle from set pieces. Which was they they don't they aren't really conceded, but a lot of the highlights I watched are from set pieces, and the teams are basically hitting the bar, missing sitters, kind of things. I've, I mean, we we're that's what we've been best at so far this year, and it the set pieces. So I I just think getting Sauber on, knockout on as well, delivery having someone with a good delivery on could be could be key. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing he's probably going to keep it the same formation. To be honest. I like this idea of four four two though, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably stay mm. similar and then maybe try to get Thomas on for me or knock out. I think mm. um, 
I'm I'm tempted to keep the same lineup because I don't think they did loads wrong. And for me, this is kind of a your subs to win you the game because I actually quite like that. And I think we we talked about it a lot, but Scott High always felt like a Fotheringham player to me. Um, so yeah, I quite like it to be honest. And I think it, just bringing throwing it's rolling just... dice. I've I've spoke about it on the other podcast. There's another town podcast. I must check that out. Um, <laughs> and I won't go over all the stories, but Scott High's a real manager's footballer. You know, they like there's not many managers in the league who aren't gonna love him. Doesn't always transmit to the terraces that I'm I'm well aware of that, but I wasn't me well, me and Steve knowing a little bit about him and about town and about how he sets about his day job neither of us were surprised to see him go back in weirdly yeah I mean you know he's a credit to his family Scott High Foz thinks it Tom and I think it so yeah uh Dave what would you would you change the lineup I, I we've got a few more options now or do you think you know with knockout maybe still getting up to speed not ready for a start um or are you thinking sod it let's it's time for four four two no, I, I think the four four two is coming, but I don't think A, I don't think they'll go anywhere near it until Matty Pearson is absolutely a hundred percent. And B, I think they're building towards that. I don't I don't think it's gonna happen in the next couple of weeks. I think that is ultimately where he wants them come the last two months of the season. So yeah, I don't think it's we're anywhere near that at the moment. I think they'll probably stick with this formation because at the moment it's a formation that it the the team are comfortable in. So like it's a, it's a big it's quite a big risk when you've got a formation the team are this comfortable in before an away game to then suddenly decide okay well we're going to tinker with it now but I do think there could be a couple of changes I I think I think it's probably time to to let's see what on up top from the start for a game because you can bully that Blackpool back line so let's have a bully up there and you know ultimately. John Rhodes hasn't done anything particularly wrong, but the one thing that he's not is a bully, bless him. He's one of the, the tr- trust me, like he is one of the nicest people you could genuinely ever wish to meet. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Waghorn potentially start up top or a change up top, I should say, because they have, I mean, ultimately they have a lot of options now. Whether Sorber will come back in or not, I don't, I, I, don't think so. I don't think so. But I, I, I like Scott High a lot too. But I think David Kasuma will come straight back in. I, I think one thing that is clear from Mark Fotheringham is even when a player is in a, a sort of good run and looking good, he quite likes to give him a kick up the bum. And it mm-hmm. felt twofold, really. It felt I want to have a look at Scott High and see what he can do. And if you are half thinking about a 442 you know scott high is a very 442 midfielder you know he 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 would work in that system so i completely get having a look but also if it conveniently gives the chance to to give kasuma a little bit of a kick up the bum who ultimately had done absolutely nothing wrong i think you you then put him straight back in so yeah i think a couple of changes realistic i don't think there'll be i don't think there'll be anything anything else um but you're right to mention the bench because the one thing their changes have done is like there were a lot of times earlier in the season, me and Steve were looking at their bench, Towns bench going, this is thin. And now you look at it and you think 
okay, well, you know, knock up, essentially Hungbo, uh, Ward Rhodes, uh, you know, at least one very good central midfielder will be on there. You know, these are options that Town haven't had a lot of the time this season. And with five subs to make, you're exactly right. There is five opportunities to change the game there now that Town can genuinely take, um, which I don't think they've had an awful lot this season. So, yeah, uh, I think a couple of changes and a, and a really strong bench is the way to go. Definitely. And Dave, I've got to say, you're making me feel a lot more positive about Waghorn. So, um, yeah, more of that, please. Um, I did, I, oh. The thing is, Again, I'm repeating things I said on the other town podcast. There's another town podcast. Wow, um, <laughs> but it, it's like they they they've got they've signed some streaky players. Waghorn is a streaky player, you know. Knockart is a streaky player. Canberra, if you look at his career, all his goals have come in clusters. He's a streaky player, and what they're trying to bank on is at least one of them has a streak before the end of the season. And yeah. arguably, if they can get one of them to do that, then ultimately their whole business has been a success, really, weirdly. So I just think if you're going to get Martin Waghorn in to do a cert, to be Martin Waghorn, then you need to play him as well. You know, he's got he needs to he needs some minutes in his legs. And it's not like town have got a load of nice easy midweek fixtures or a couple of cup games they can stick him into got to get him up to speed and you know against a against a blackpool defense which ultimately you know i don't think is any great shakes why not worst case mm -hmm. you hook him on the hour and you use one of the other options that you've got because you have those options now yeah oh. I, the the kasumu and hog dave i think would be great for saturday because i just think they'd bully that midfield i look at that midfield the Blackpool midfield and I think if you kind of get on top of them early on and just kind of put them in their place you know what I mean it's quite a young midfield probably going to be playing and you get Hogg and Kasumu getting stuck in there early on kind of letting them know who's boss basically um, it could yeah. get where that game goes early on I think Yeah and I think if you look at Helic Lees Pearson Hogg and Kasumu that is a little triangle there of five players that that that's a proper championship triangle that, you know, regardless of where town's position is in the league, that is five players who would certainly not everyone would get into every first 11 in the championship. I'm not for a moment suggesting that, but all five of those players get into every squad in the championship. And I'm including your Sheffield United and your Burnley there. So the fact that town play them on the pitch, you know, together at the same time other teams wouldn't play Jonathan Hogg for instance but they'd love to have him in the squad Town can do that Town have to do that and that is competitive and, and combative but they've got to have the thing is the other five players on the pitch have got to do all the creative duties really because those five players sole jobs is to defend and sort of platform players who are better on the ball so you know, it, it's the way town have to play and you just hope that the, the lads going forward have a good day. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing we haven't really touched on is obviously there could be someone new in this, in between the sticks uh, in the goal, but we're going with Billow here because at, at the time of recording, there's no no news on the keeper, but we know they are looking at one and, and Fotheringham did say, ideally, he'd like to bring it in sooner rather than later. So um, we will see. Um 
but yeah, match prediction then, then lads. What are you going for? Tom, I'll come to you first. If Appleton was there, I actually saw Town maybe winning this game like three one because I think it'd have been the nail in the coffin. Fans would have been already like, Ooh, if it had got off to a bad start. It depends. So it sounds like they're going to try and get someone in before we play them, which I think is quite interesting in itself. Like they've maybe had Appleton lined up for a while because um, the, the I think the statement didn't even mention someone stepping up from the club or anything. It just said in the next few days they're looking to appoint someone. So it'd be interesting who who that might be. Uh, so with Appleton gone now, I still think Town Town can get three points here and they I'm gonna say they should get three points here because they need to. Um let's go with a two one town win, Brady. And wag on. <laughs> Dave's favourite, wag on. And then, um, well, I just, I really want Sauber to get a goal this year. So I just, I, this season, just to kick him off. So let's say Sauber comes on. I said this last week, comes on, gets a goal. Nice. I, um, I'm going for a win here just because I think Town need to win and I, I want to will it into existence. But, you know, you're right, Tom. It, I was feeling more competent with Appleton being there. Um, you know, again, no announcement on the Blackpool boss, but I saw a lot of links with Mick McCarthy, um, which is interesting. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that one. You'll probably know by the time this comes out. But yeah, for me, I think Town, regardless if there's a bit of a you know jolt, you know the fans will get behind him. I think the best thing Town can do is is try and get an early goal and just get rid of all that positive energy. So with that in mind, I think Town. Are probably going to do what they nearly did at Hull, which is win one nil. Uh, and I'm going to go, Tom. I'm not going to go for Rodoni. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to go for Jordan Rhodes. But yeah, there you go, Dave. What about you? What's your score prediction? Uh, I I think I think Town have to go for it, and my I th- I think it's a game there they can win. You're the first person in the world to have ever use Mick McCarthy and interesting in the same sentence. Congratulations <laughs> to you for that, Brady. I I think even if they bring a manager in, I've I've no idea of no inside word or anything like that. I've no idea if they've got someone lined up to come in, but it's very, very difficult for them to have an impact. And I think your new manager bounce is usually once your manager's had a week, not like literally 24 hours at best the way it's looking so we'll see but I I, I was going to say 2-1 town but somehow Anthony Knockhart gets a hat-trick uh, <laughs> but I think uh, do you know what let's be positive I'm going to go 2-0 town and I think I think a striker will score it might be Waghorn it might be Rhodes who knows but I think they will get a goal from a striker and I think they'll get a goal from somewhere else someone else will pop up with either a header or a, a Josh Ruffles overhead kick from 25 yards or something like that lovely lovely so I think that's the first time in a while we've all predicted a win so uh Lucky, I'll say. Um, and yeah, Mick McCarthy is interesting, Dave. He has some great quotes. So um, I find them very interesting. But just before we go, um, it's time for Kwana's question. A few changes, things change, but also a lot of things are still the same. 
So this is the new feature in the show. Uh, don't worry, amazing elbow fans, he will be back for the Coventry preview. Um, but we we asked you the question on Twitter this week: Who was the first player to break your heart by leaving town? And guys, we got a lot of great responses. Um, someone who popped up regularly was Marcus Stewart. I think we all know uh, know why. Absolutely got in. Um, but I'm going to read out a couple and then. Dave, I'll probably ask you about a Brighton player, um, but if there is any town players who've left who broke your heart as well, please, please do say. Tommy Elphick. Tommy Elphick. He retired though, didn't yeah. he? Didn't technically leave. It, yeah, true, true. Well, you can have a, you can have a little think. I'll give you another go. But um, first one is Lord of the Dance says uh, Craig Maskell went to Reading to quote play higher division football. We played Reading the following season, and they were lower in the table than us, so it helped ease the pain. Uh, Paul's, perf- Paul's perfect, said Frank Worthington. Best forward I have ever seen play for town. His left foot was lethal. Yeah, great player. Uh, Bryony says, Powell Abbott, pure devastation for a 10 year old Bryony. Yeah, yeah, Tom's nodding. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was interesting as well how people said, um, obviously, we have some older listeners, we have some younger listeners. Uh, I think I saw one where it's like, I saw someone saying, Steve Mooney, you're not allowed to be sad about him leaving. So, I was sad when he left. So, um, different ages, mate. Uh, Carlito Brigante says, uh, Lillis says he was my dad's favourite player and we just lost him the year before. Could see why that one would absolutely sting. Um, Jack Fallow says, John Stead, the first time, absolute hero, that man. Um, and Tom, any any you like to look of or you can share your own first player? It doesn't have to be the first uh, well, player. Obviously, obviously, when Alan Lee left, that was a sad day for me personally. Um, I lit a candle for him, um, and then it's just I, I the a few of those have brought back pretty bad memories. I remember the John Stead one being terrible because I remember he left after being on such a good run, and we we were doing all right. We were up in that kind of top ten, I think we weren't. Jacko hadn't really got it going going yet. But then I swear, didn't we, we played Darlington. God, this is how bad that year was. We we played Darlington at home, I think, the, a couple of days after he'd left and lost 3-0. And it was just, it just made it just 10 times worse. Pavel, I, I think circumstance as well, like when, I, I hate it when a player goes to another team in your league. So when Pav went to Swansea and then uh, Jordan Rhodes going to Blackburn, I didn't like that at all. Um yeah, other than that, I mean, I was good to see Lewis O'Brien going just because probably won't see him playing a town shirt again at like at this stage in his career anyway. So, um, but that, probably his probably... testimonial, and that's about it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I get yeah. very attached to players though, Brady. Yeah, there's loads that I've been good about leaving. To be fair. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? Um, talking about John, John Stead was one I remember. I remember I was a bit guilted when Pilks left as well, Anthony Pilkington, even yeah. though, um, you know, with Stead and Pilkington, they went on to do well. So that was kind of like, oh, please for him. Um, James actually said about John Stead, he remembers his year four teacher uh, almost in tears at High Burton first when, uh, when Stead <laughs> left. Um, I'll tell you which one was good, and it wasn't my first, but. Obviously, a man who's absolutely loved by all town fans it was Aaron Moy. I went to Dave's Brighton. I think it was because it was very late in the day and it was kind of like, oh, are we going to keep him? And then yeah. just kind of, yeah. So, and it, I just, when he left, I was like, oh, he was incredible. And 
I just I don't know. Just I just felt really flat. I think it was the timing. So yeah, that was the one that's stung for me. Um, Dave, any any town players apart from Tommy Alfick? You know, you've been gutted to leave. Uh, I I remember. I remember. You know, I just I've been going to town for years and years because I've lived up here since 1990 and. Yeah, the, the Marcus Stewart was a big one. Pilkington was the name that came to mind because he was just a great player to watch, wasn't he? He was just mm-hmm. so much fun to watch, really. Um, but uh, that was like a real shame, you know? That was like when it was... Because it also felt like it was the end of something as well when he went somehow. It felt like it was, okay, they're going to have to build to something else. But, yeah, I was gutted when Moy went, but then I found out where he was going and I was absolutely <laughs> delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, but what about Brighton then, Dave? Who was the first your first Brighton player you, oh, you were absolutely right. gutted? Uh, like everybody knows my my feelings towards Bobby Zamora and how much I love the man. But when he went, you know, it was like obvious he he, he stayed a season longer than he had to really because he was always bound to play Premier League football. So nobody. It didn't break my heart because nobody begrudged him. It, the man can do no wrong. Solid gold statue in the town centre for me. But Danny Cullop is a name that many town fans won't remember or know. But he was he was a, a, a defender who came in, um, in a, I think it was about 1990, probably 1998, I think, without checking. Played about five years for us, 200-odd games. But he was my Christopher Schindler. He was just like, he was a colossus. And he was... He he was good in a bad team. He was good in a good team. He was just brilliant. And he was the sort of player that was just like everything you wanted to see in like Christopher Schindler was, you know, just everything you wanted to see in somebody playing in that position for your club. And he went to Sheffield United and he just basically his career kind of collapsed after he left us, which was a which was a real shame, really, because if he'd have, there were reasons he he had to go, and we had to get him off the wage bill. It was it was a the best for all parties, but it was just a real shame. But he's back at the club now, works at the club, and he helps out Worthing FC at the moment. But the again, you know, he is my my north, my south, my east, my west in terms of Brighton and Hove Albion defenders. <laughs> oh, well, there's there's a, a lesson for the listeners: don't fall in love with footballers; they're only going to break your heart. Um, yeah. And we'll we'll end it on that, yeah. that somber note there. Um, but yeah, thanks to Tom and Dave for, for joining us. Thanks to you all for tuning in and listening. And of course, thanks to Magic Rock for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget, you can get 10% off all online orders with the code AHTTC10. And uh, that'll do it. Tom and I will be back to preview the Coventry podcast. Um, that may have been moved, but our usual time will not be moved, thankfully. Um, you know, good for the fans. But if you think of the podcast as the true the true sloggers it's actually worked out a lot better for us so uh, <laughs> so there you go um to tar for now and up the town up the town so town play up bring the car back to others Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. 
Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.